Welcome to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast, where the cross and the culture are on a collision course for discussion. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require signs, the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews a stumbling block, under the Greeks foolishness, but under them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now, here's your host, Thomas Irvin. Uh, continue to pray for Brother Jacob Rutledge, as he is now the pastor of a big-time church. So I have to call him Big-Time Rutledge when he, when he comes here. That's what everybody will call him. Yeah, Big-Time Rutledge. And so he'll be here May 5th, Lord willing, said he still plans to... Uh, to keep that up, or, or he, he's not planning to change that. He's got a meeting that is um, March 9th through the 11th or 12th, something like that. Um, we might, if, if, if at all possible, try to go up there for a day. Uh, I don't know if it'll be possible, but if it's possible, we might try to go up there. If any of you are interested in going, it's in Amory, Mississippi. Um, I don't know how... F- oh, Really? I don't know how, how how far of a drive is that from here. A couple, two or three hours. Uh, longer. Really. Uh, four and a half to five hours. Really? It was five and a half hours to Memphis. Four. Okay. Yeah, I don't I don't know anything about the route, so um, I haven't looked yet. But it, we may the the first night is a Saturday night, so we may consider going up there and then coming back in time for Sunday. Tim Fallor is preaching along with several other. I don't I don't know any of the other brothers that are preaching, but. Tim Fallor, if you don't know him, uh, he has lots of preaching online. He's an excellent, excellent preacher. He, he's from Milton, Florida at Victory Baptist Church. And so uh, if you just looking for somebody to listen to online or something, he, he's an excellent Bible teacher. Uh, public ministry will be Saturday at 4 p.m. The church invitations have arrived. Um, so we'll begin getting those out every which way possible, handing them out, passing them out, door knocking them out, mailing them out, whatever we can do. Um, the mailing part might have to hold for hold off for a little bit because it looks like we might spend a lot of money this month. So we'll see. I would like to get those out as, as quickly and efficiently as possible. So we'll see what we can do with those. Uh, church work day is March 30th at 9 a.m. Mark Waddington should be here March 24th. Uh, the lights, um, Walter Davis came and looked at them, but he hasn't given me, he was supposed to give me a price that same day, but he hasn't. I did send him a text today, so hopefully he'll get back with me about that. It should be about $1,000, give or take a little bit to replace all the lights. Um, so he, he's got a couple of options that he was supposed to send to me, but he hadn't sent them yet. So I don't know yet what he's got and when he can do it. And then um, the toilets, uh, Brother Brant did get, get back with me on the toilets. So for the, the, the ones that he has two options, one is expensive, one is slightly less expensive, <laughs> but they're very high quality. They will last a long time. They are. They sit much higher. They're larger. They're far more stable, um, and they're good for a kind of a commercial setting for for people who who will be running through them. So, they're two hundred and eighty seven dollars per toilet. Uh, I would like to just go ahead and do both and get it over with. So we'll probably go ahead and do. I told him that we would go ahead and do that. So we would be looking. At about sixteen, seventeen hundred dollars for the lights and the toilets. 
So that that is will all hopefully be done in by the end of this month or by the end of next month. Both I would expect both the lights and the toilets to be finished. Brother Brad's going to come as soon as he he's going to look at his schedule and see when he has a, um, a an open day to just come and and knock it out. So uh, if I'm not free, I may need someone to come open the door and just let him do what he needs to do. Uh, he's not going to charge us to install them. Uh, he's only charging us for the parts. So he's going to order them and bring them and do all that on his own just because he wants to be a blessing. So that is great. Uh, he has a street preaching event. He's from New Orleans, as I'd mentioned before, and it's going to be in New Orleans, April 11th through the 14th. Um, it, it's kind of a, a uh, replacement for the Memphis and May preaching event that normally happens uh, because they're not having Memphis and May for some reason. So now I'm not sad about that. I think it, you know, it's, a, it's a devilish event anyways. And so the last time I went, speaking of that, <laughs> there's a video online of me. Uh, who, who's there, who here has ever heard of black Hebrew Israelites? Anybody? Just my wife. You've never had the pleasure of meeting one of the most racist groups you will ever come across in your life. And they're not just racist, they are violently racist. And uh, so they, they believe as black people, they are the true Hebrew Israelites. And the people today who call themselves Jews are not. Imagine that. And, and so one of the things they believe is that God, that God is going to make white people slaves in heaven because white people made black people slaves here. That is one of their beliefs. I don't know what God's going to do for the white people who enslaved white people or the black people who enslaved black people. But, uh, you know, I guess God was only concerned about the time that white people enslaved black people. And so... Um, you know the word. You know where the word "slave" comes from. Does anybody here know the history of that word and where it came from? It it comes from the Slavic people who were enslaved. That was white people enslaving white people, and and the Slavs became slaves. And over time, that term was adopted because of what happened to them. It it became a a useful term, anyway. So. Uh, I don't know how God's going to handle that on behalf of the black Hebrew Israelites. But um, anyways, the reason I brought that up is we were preaching the last night of Memphis in May. This was probably 2015 or 16. And we're in the middle of, of Beale Street preaching. And, and we got this big group with us. And, and they, they're holding up signs and banners. And, and, they're, and they're preaching. And a, a group of black Hebrew Israelites, a large group of them, formed up in like a military formation right in front of the, our people who were preaching. Well, the people who were, we were with were a little bit timid, and they were nervous about this. Uh, but the brethren that I was with, uh, we, we have dealt with black Hebrew Israelites quite a bit down in Orlando. They used to come stand over next to us where we street preach. So we were not concerned about it. So I went and preached straight to them. And you talk about stirring up a hornet's nest. <laughs> they went wild. It was crazy. Now, to my advantage, right behind them was a SWAT team. <laughs> so if they did something, it wasn't gonna it wasn't gonna take long and they and the SWAT team was gonna have it cleared up. So I wasn't too worried about it. I was just preaching to them about what they needed to hear. And and, uh, and this guy, the, the leader of it, was holding up a sign of a white Jesus saying, this is not Jesus. And I said, well, I agree with you. And then he threw the sign down and he spit on it. And then he held up a sign of a black Jesus and said, this is Jesus. And I was like, well, you lost me there. I, don't know. <laughs> I can't go there with you either. So um, Jesus doesn't look like some kind of white European male model. And he also doesn't look like a black man out of Africa. So... Um, both sides, both sides are going to lose out on that one. So, now the last thing, last announcement. If you would, well, two two things. One, another thing that I wanted to mention to you. My wife had a um, a good meeting appointment class. I don't know what you call it. Yesterday, with our midwife. Unfortunately, she was the only one there with the other wives, the, amongst the other wives whose husband didn't show up. 
so I had to be that guy, which is great. Yeah, it's always one. So, but she said it went great, that it went really well. She really enjoyed it. And um, she's really liked this midwife. She really seems to have thought things through very well and has good experience in what she's doing. So it's, it's been a blessing. So continue to pray for my wife as that time progresses. She actually felt the baby move for the first time in the past couple of nights, two nights ago. So we're getting to that point where the creature inside her is <laughs> beginning to move around and kick and flip and do all those things. It's, it's fun. It's exciting to see. And then sometimes you can even see through the skin when the baby is, is playing around in there. So it's pretty interesting. Uh, so continue to, continue to pray for her. Um, and then if you would pray for us, we have been patiently looking for a house to buy, not, not to rent. And when we started looking for a house from Uganda, we, we just started wanting to see what was going on here. There was a new house for sale, a decent house, nice houses for a new house, probably one to two every day. Lately, there have been one, maybe one every three weeks or four weeks. So I don't know what happened in Loosedale. And then, and then the few that do show up, the person is still insane, and they think it's 2022. And so they list their, their uh, $200,000 house for $400,000 and think somebody's going to buy it, and they don't. Uh, now, we looked at, we've looked at a couple the past few days, and there was one that we were really, really, really interested in. And it was priced really well. The problem is that price was just outside our budget. We just, we could have gotten it. We could have secured it. It just, I, I couldn't bring myself to do it at that price. No, this house, this is the only house we have looked at where there were people there before us and the people after us were sitting in the driveway drooling, waiting for us to finish looking at it. It was a beautiful house on four plus acres, 4.2 acres. Um, oh, yeah. By, yeah, within five hours, they had, they, they had, um, they had five or, four or five offers by 5 p.m. the next day. And so they could just choose what they wanted. So. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll tell you what I told my realtor. And, and by the way, we, I don't know if you know uh, Nikki Merritt. Do you know her? She has done an excellent job. She's been a blessing. We really have just enjoyed interacting with her and dealing with her. She's, she's just done an excellent job. This is what I told her. I need a nice house on two to five acres for $200,000. And she said, oh, <laughs> no, they come up, they are, they go lightning fast. They, they do come around occasionally. Otherwise, to get in that range, the house we were just looking at was 260000 And it was fairly priced. It, it was, they, they took good care of the house. It was a little bit dated, but it was, it was really nice, really well taken care of. Beautiful property. Had a full shop with two lean-tos on the back. I mean, it was, it was and a two-car carport uh, attached to it. It was really nice. And at two sixty, it was probably a fair price for that house. And, and, it, and you know it was because there are other houses on the market that are in the same price range and nobody's even going to look at them because they've lost their minds. They have a $205,000 house and they're trying to sell it for $280,000. It's just not going to happen. Uh, these people had priced their house well and, and there are so many people looking right now and there are so few houses, people just swarmed that house. And so if you were not ready, you just didn't get in the door. But at two sixty. dollars the monthly payment, we could do it, but it'd be really, 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 really stretching us. Yeah, uh, and, I, and I don't want to. I have some things in the works that I hope will possibly increase our, our income, but I, I can't buy a house in the hopes that that's going to happen. Um, and if that doesn't come around, then, I mean, we're, we're okay right now financially. We're not hurting necessarily. It's just... Our income's too low right now to really get into something that 
I don't want to buy a house and then have two to three, five years later have to buy another house because we just settled on something. I'm hoping to get into something we can stay in for 20, 30. We, we want to put roots down and stay. And so that's our hope. But that costs money. <laughs> so anyways, the reason I bring all that up is if you would pray for us as we try and seek the Lord's blessing and help and provision and direction and all those good things. So a lot ahead to look forward to. And Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There is. I have no doubt. Problem is getting my patience to hang in there and wait. And so, uh, but I mean, that. so far, everything surrounding it, everything's ready for it. The, even the, uh, we have, we've got two loan approvals with two different banks and we get to choose whichever one we want. But Chase has given us an unbelievable um, deal at the moment. Now, the interest rate's a little high because that's just the, the times, um, interest rates are just high. It's, it's comparable. It's a good interest rate for today, but compared to last year or the year before, it's not a good interest rate, but that's just where we are today. Um, but they're not charging us any closing costs. So because it's a VA loan, it's zero closing cost and um, zero down payment. And, uh, and the house could potentially be eligible for a grant up to $7,500 that would be applied for, for, for nothing, just for, because it's a VA loan. So, uh, so it's, it's a great opportunity. We just got to find a house we can afford. And the house we can afford needs to be as nice as I want it to be. <laughs> That's not asking too much, is it? <laughs> All right. Well, in case you didn't know, we'll be in Romans chapter 1. This evening, we'll be in verses 16 through 17 again. You know, it's, uh, it's amazing. This is the 28th sermon from Romans chapter 1. And, and at no point have I exhausted a single verse so far. That's how just immense the Word of God is. There's just so much to it, so much that... Um, it, it, it could overwhelm us if we, if we really sat down and thought about it. But uh, I'm, I'm excited to be able to go through it this way, carefully and slowly and patiently, and uh, try and give you what I can from the Word of God to help build a, a good, strong biblical foundation in our lives. Uh, it's a blessing to do it this way, and, and I, I can see the fruit of it in my children. My daughter will come up and say things because they've been repeated and looked at so many times just in church. And, it, and, and, and it's sticking into her mind, and so I, it sticks into my mind, and it sticks into my wife's mind, and, and hopefully into yours as well. I hope it's been a blessing and a help and, and that we all get a lot out of this. Um, all right, verses 16 through 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ... For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Now, what we're going to look at tonight is this idea to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That's going to be our primary subject. And we want to see that. And... And there's no doubt we've, we've already seen it uh, indirectly in other studies that we've had, but we're going to look at it specifically tonight. And we're not going to beat it to death, but we'll see it in several different places. There are numerous places you could go in your New Testament and in the Old Testament and see this idea. I mean, it's just the way it was. Now, I, I, I want to say in the, at the onset, I don't think this is a scriptural requirement. I don't think God is telling uh, New Testament churches that you must go to the Jews first and then you go to the Gentiles. I think that's just the way it worked out because it all started in Jerusalem and, and the majority of the apostles were all Jews. So, of course, it's just natural. The Lord said, no, if you're first going to go to the, uh, the lost sheep of the house of Israel, then I will send you out. And, and that's when you look at all the prophecy uh, regarding this idea, that, that's exactly 
how the Lord said it would happen. I'm going to go to my own. I'm going to deal with Israel. They're going to reject me for the most part, at least as a nation, they're going to reject me. And then I'm going to turn to the Gentiles and provoke you into jealousy. <laughs> and then, so that's what the Lord ended up doing. That's how, it's exactly how it worked out. But then you get to the Apostle Paul and you get to the Apostle Peter. Peter, would go, he was designated. It was his main responsibility to go to the Jews. And yet he preached to Cornelius and he, and he preached to anybody. He ended up in Babylon before his life is over with, preaching to Gentiles. Uh, never went to Rome, incidentally. I mean, that'd be a bit of a problem if your entire religion was built upon the idea that Peter went to Rome and then have absolutely no scriptural proof that Peter ever went to Rome. That'd be a bit of a problem. But, but that's another topic for another day. Now, Paul would go straight to the, the Jews even in Gentile nations, he always found the synagogue and went to the Jews first, reasoned with them from the scriptures, and then would turn to the Gentiles. Is that Once again, they would inevitably reject him. Uh, some would believe, some wanted to hear more, and, and they would. But for the most part, the nation of Israel rejected their Messiah. They did not want him. Not only did they reject the, the Messiah, they rejected their Savior, and, and those are not the same thing. They are the same person, but two different ideas. You need both the Messiah and the Savior. The Messiah is going to be king over the kingdom of heaven, but the Savior is going to save you from your sin. And uh, they ultimately would reject both. Now, Paul was unashamed of the fact that he had been entrusted with this message. And when it came to preaching to the Jews, this would prove to be particularly dangerous. When the apostles would preach to the Jews and, and reason with them from the scriptures, they would often end up in prison, fleeing for their lives or dead, all from preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, the gospel would go out into all the world, but it begins with the Jews. They should have been ready to receive the gospel. If anybody was, was going to be ready to receive the gospel, it was the Jews. And, and they, they rejected it. They, they wanted... They wanted temporal dominance more than a spiritual savior. And, and, and it's, not far, it's not much different for people today. Uh, if they, the, I'll trust in Jesus. He's going to make me rich. Yeah. If he's not going to make me rich, then I'll, I'll find somebody else. And that's, you know, that's the same problem. The apostles would use their scriptures to reason the, the fact that Christ died for our sins. Now, God winked at the ignorance of the Gentiles... He had a specific measure of grace for them because of their ignorance. But to whom much is given, much is expected. And the Jews had the oracles of God. They were expected to understand, and the Lord dealt harshly with them when they refused to receive this, their Savior. Uh, we've talked about it in Sunday school. He said, Sodom is going to rise up in judgment over you. How do you think that? Uh, you talk about winning friends. You tell the Jews that Sodom, and you know, everybody here knows what was happening in Sodom. No, I don't, we don't have to explain it. We don't have to talk about it. You know exactly what was going on in Sodom. Those Jews knew what was going on in Sodom. And the Lord said, yeah, Sodom is going to judge you. <laughs> That's how bad you are. And the idea being, you've had, you have received the word of God for centuries now. And you just reject it. Or you use it as a weapon. You, you don't use it in a godly fashion. You're not concerned about the souls of men. And so, but that didn't change the fact that the, they, they still received the word of God. Uh, the Lord gave the gospel to them first and, and pressed on in that manner. And it was Paul's deep desire. Look at Romans 10. Paul loved his brethren, the Jews, his brethren after the flesh. Look at verses 1 through 4. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Now that's curious. Because you have large groups of people today who, who will try and teach you, you don't need to preach the gospel to the Jews. And yet all through the Bible, God says the Jews need to get, they better get saved. <laughs> right, now there is, and this is what Romans 9, 10, and 11 does. Romans 9, 10, and 11 explain to us that, that God still has a future for the Jews as a nation. But until that time comes, we're not there yet. The, the Lord will turn back to dealing with the Jews during the tribulation, the time of Jacob's trouble. Right? That, that's all about Israel. 
Right now, the Lord is building a church. And so what you need and what the Jews need right now as individuals is to trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And failure to do that is going to cause you to lift your eyes up in hell, being in torment to the Jew first and also to the Greek. <laughs> you don't get to escape hell because of your nationality. Now, there are some kingdom issues and some other things that we'll talk about in future lessons and in Bible studies and all that pertaining to the nation of Israel. But right now, their need is to hear the gospel. And so Paul said, my desire is that the Jews would be saved. And this is in the New Testament context, which is going to launch immediately after he talks about this. And verses we all know, verses 9 and 10, about calling on the name of the Lord to be saved. That's what he's talking about. Now, if this was in the Old Testament, you would have an argument against that. Because in the Old Testament, when it talked about being saved, it's always physical life. It's never a spiritual salvation. In the New Testament, in a New Testament context, in the church age, Paul is saying, it's my desire that they would, that they would trust in the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is not a physical salvation. It's a spiritual salvation. He wants to see their souls saved. But they don't want that. Look at verse 2. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God. Nobody can doubt that. They are zealous for God, but not according to knowledge. They are zealously ignorant. That's what we often talk about people who are genuine. We say, but they got to be saved. They're so genuine. Not if they're genuinely wrong. They're in trouble. They need somebody to help get them out of that trouble, to shed some light on the subject, to explain it to them. So that they can make a better, a proper decision. And so I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness. Now we, that, that's Romans 1. The righteousness of, of God is revealed through the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's Romans 1, 16 and 17. It fits perfectly. All right. Now they are ignorant of that righteousness. Then it goes on, and going about to establish their own righteousness. That is a big mistake. You can't, sub, you, can't, you can't trade the righteousness of God for your own righteousness as though it were, it were possible for you to be so good that God's going to let you into heaven. It's not going to happen. And so they're making a terrible mistake and have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone, to everyone that keeps the law. That's not what it says. To everyone that believeth. That's written about the Jews who were given the law. And God is, God is saying, You're, I gave you that law to demonstrate to you that you need a Savior. It's a schoolmaster that brings you to Christ. It's not there for your justification or for your salvation. Therefore, by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. The law is not going to justify you. And yet they keep trying to be justified through the law. And they fail 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 and they fail. And, and they, they never let the schoolmaster bring them to, to Christ. They know we'll just try harder. We'll do it better. We'll change some things. It's too late. If you offend in one point, you've offended in the, in the entire thing. It's over. You're guilty before God. The only way forward is through a Savior. Jesus Christ, whether you like it or not, is that Savior. He's the only Savior. And, and the Jews keep going about to establish their own righteousness. And then this, of course, let's just read it just for fun, verses 9 and 10. It leads directly into a conversation about the gospel, about trusting in Jesus. Verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For what the heart man believeth unto righteousness, that's the righteousness they're ignorant of. They keep working and working and working, and it's not, it, it's not doing, you're doing this wrong. <laughs> right. 
It's not going to work out the way you think. You're ignorant of the righteousness of God, but if you would trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and if you would confess that with your mouth and believe it in your heart, then God would give you the righteousness that you need. That's the doctrine of imputation. We'll talk about that in Romans 4. God says, if you give me your faith, in exchange for your faith, I will give you my righteousness. But if you're not going to do that, you're going to try and establish your own righteousness. And you're going to lift up your eyes in hell. That's as far as your righteousness can get you. It's not going to get you to heaven. It's not going to, it's not going to cause you to have your sins forgiven and your soul saved. So, um, and then the passage goes on. I mean, verse 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's that word again. Uh, Paul wants all Israel to be saved. Well, how do they do that? Trust in Jesus. Right? They, they keep trying to work their way to heaven, and there, is, there are no works to heaven. There is a work. Believe on him. That's it. There's no other option that's available to you. And, and so it, it just, verse 17, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What would that be in contrast to? Keeping, doing, working. All right, so you, you say that you have faith. Well, where did that faith come from? Your faith, you, you're, you, you receive faith or at least the opportunity to have faith by hearing the word of God and trusting the word of God. And so it's essential to Make sure that you do that. Um, how concerned are you about your brethren in the, after the flesh and your family after the flesh? Paul was ready to give up his own life to preach to the Jews. How about you? How's your family doing? All right, that's, that's our responsibility. Romans 9, look at Romans 9. There's a lot we could talk about in Romans 9, and we will if we ever get there. Um, Romans 9, verses 4 and 5. Who are Israelites to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory of the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises? Whose are the fathers and of whom as concerning the flesh Christ came, who was over all God blessed forever. Amen. Look, nobody should have been more prepared to receive the gospel and to receive Jesus Christ than the Jews. He came from them. And yet the Lord had to turn to the Gentiles and preach to the Gentiles in order for people to trust in him in any, in any large measure. The Jews, even today, don't, they're still, many Jews are still looking around for the Messiah. Just wish he'd come. <laughs> if you go, I, I lived in Long Island, New York for a while, and um, there's a brother who used to take me to... Queens and the Bronx and, you know, that, all those areas. And there are massive areas within that section of New York City that you, when you walk into that area for miles, you're, you're in Israel or you're in China or you're, you just entered Italy. And we went to a Chinese restaurant in Chinatown in New York City and not a single person in there spoke English. The menu was in Chinese and we ended up with a plate in front of us that had some chicken feet on it with the little feet sticking up. We were like, no, take that away. I don't want that. And so it, it was a fun experience then. Now I don't know. I'd rather just go somewhere where I can read the menu and, and know what I'm getting. And so anyways, it was fun back then. Now uh, I'm not that adventurous. But the, the point is he took me into uh, this Jewish area and it, it, they live and operate as though they are in Israel. Everything shuts down at 6 p.m. And, and I mean, it's, it, was, it was interesting. It was neat to, to, to see. But there was a group of Jews there who they put up all these signs all over the place saying this man on the sign was the Messiah. So that's interesting. Who did he heal? Who's he brought back from the dead? What, what devils has he cast out? If he hadn't done any of that, he hasn't done any of the works that the Messiah was going to do when he came. And he's just going to die like you, and, and it'll be over. And you're going to be looking for another Messiah. <laughs> they, they refuse to trust in Jesus Christ. Look at Mark 7. This is a beautiful passage in the Word of God. There, there may not be a more incredible passage, and there may be. It's all great, but some... 
passages just really, are just really striking. Uh, Mark 7, verses 24 through 30. Verse 24. And from thence he arose and went into the borders of Tyre and Sidon and entered into an house and would have no, and would have no man know it, but he could not be hid. And that's the idea of the book of Mark. The book of Mark presents Jesus Christ as a servant. A servant, a characteristic of a servant, you get no time for, for yourself. You don't get to take a break. You don't get to go off somewhere and say, I'm just going to have some time alone. In the book of Mark, Jesus is constantly going, constantly working, never alone. He can't have a break. He can't sit down to eat. He just wants to go in the house and not let anybody know he's in there. No, the servant has to get up and work. That's just how it is. And, and so that, that's, a, that's the characteristic of this book. Verse 25, for a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, Syrophoenician by nation, and she, she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. But Jesus said unto her, Let the children first be filled, for it is not meat to take the children's bread and cast it unto the dogs. <laughs> now that gives me chills every time I read it. And what's more incredible is this woman's response to that. Now, here's what the Lord just said. I'm not here. I'm not ministering to you. You're a dog. I have children to take care of. I'm not here to take care of a dog, a Gentile dog. Now, that's, there, there couldn't be anything more insulting. It couldn't be any worse. But look at this woman's incredible, incredible response. Verse 27, um, or no, verse 28 and she answered and said unto him, Yes, Lord, yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. You know, there are only a few times in the Bible where Jesus seems to not know what to say in response to somebody. <laughs> and all he could say is, wow, what faith. Now, this is the idea. She didn't argue with him and say, who do you think you are? She said, yeah, you're right. We're just dogs. That's the best we are. But I would sure love to eat at your table if you would have me. And he would. Because of her response, because of her faith. Now, but in, 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 in the context of what we're talking about, this woman came to him and, and said, Lord, I need your help. He said, right now I'm going to the Jews. That, but Gentiles, I'll, I'll be dealing with the Gentiles later. I'm going to deal with the dogs later. But right now, I've got to take care of the children. But because of her faith, there are, there are only a few times in the Bible where the Lord would, would step out of what he was doing or, or, or break the direction, not in a sinful way. I, that's not what I'm saying. But the Lord said, I'm dealing with this right now. But her faith was so great. He said, yeah, I, I will, whatever you need. I'll put this on pause for a moment and take care of whatever you need. And he did because she didn't argue with him. She didn't get mad in great humility. She said, yes, Lord, you're right. But we, we, we are some needy people and we could sure use your help. And I'll take whatever crumbs you would be willing to throw my way. And he said, your daughter is healed. Whatever you need, she's got it. And he said unto her, for this saying... For this saying, you see that? Because of your response, because of your attitude, because of your words, for this saying, go thy way, the devil is gone out of thy daughter. And when she was come to her house, she found the devil gone out and her daughter laid upon the bed. That's the kind of peace that Jesus Christ can bring to your life if you will let him, if you will respond to him, if you will trust him and have that type of faith and believe what he says. It's the problem we have today. We tell people, well, you know, you're a sinner. No, not me. I'm not a sinner. <laughs> Come on, man. You tell lies. Oh, I don't tell. I, mean, I never tell lies. That's a lie. <laughs> what is wrong with you? No, no, God's wrong. I'm good. Well, God said there's none good. Well, God hasn't met me, obviously. <laughs> Obviously, you know, he said something about that in the Bible. Depart from me. I never knew you. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, you know, I guess we need to define the word good. I don't understand how you and God got so far apart. This woman didn't argue with God. 
We talked about Amalekai and God's rebuking Israel. And he's telling them, you don't give me sacrifices. You're divorcing your wives. You're suing each other. You're doing all these horrible things. When? When did we ever do that? Just arguing with God. You try and tell people about Jesus today. I'm good. I don't need that. Really? (laughs) You don't need that. I, 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 I don't want to do this experiment, but I'd like to hear what you have to say when you lift up your eyes in hell. Actually, I would prefer not to hear what you have to say. I would rather you just trust in Jesus Christ and agree with him now that you're, you're nothing but a Gentile dog who needs the crumbs from his table. Uh, but they, they, the people are, their hearts are too hard. They, they just can't do that. Now look at Luke 24. Luke 24, even though the Lord's ministry was to the Jew first, in that, in that case, he said, I'll make an exception for that. For that kind of faith, uh, go thy way. Your daughter is healed. Praise the Lord. What a blessing. Uh, Luke 24, verses 45 through 48. Verse 45. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures and said unto them, thus it is written and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. That's the gospel. Verse 47. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among where? All nations, nations, but beginning where? In Jerusalem. Jerusalem. That's just... Now, why is that? I mean, are are we required to buy tickets and go take off to Jerusalem and preach there before we preach anywhere else? No, that's not... That's where it all started. That's where they were. Lord said, I want you to stay in Jerusalem. In fact, I want you to wait in Jerusalem until I send the Holy Spirit. And then when I send the Holy Spirit, you'll be witnesses unto me. And then I want you to start in Jerusalem. Then I want you to go to Samaria or Judea, then Samaria. Then I want you to go all the way out to the uttermost parts of the earth. That's that's the order. All right. Now, we, we take that in principle and what we say is we're going to start in Loosedale, and then we're going to go to George County, and then we're going to go to Mississippi, and then the United States, and the rest of the world. You know, I, someday, if we ever get a chance, I would love to do a, a project that our church did. Uh, our pastor called it Operation Samaria. And what we did as a church is we went street preaching for an hour in every single city in the entire state of Florida held up signs and passed out tracts. And from what I understand, our church tried to engage other churches in Florida to, to help us to do their areas. And from what I understand, not one church offered to help or to be a part of it. So we drove to every city in the entire state of Florida. Some people would go on vacation and spend their vacation going from city to city and just spend an hour preaching or holding up signs and passing out tracts. In, in each town across the state. Now, I would not introduce that here and now because I'm afraid some of you maniacs would try and help me and you don't have the time or energy. <laughs> so we'll save that for when we have more seat, people in the seats and, and can spread out the work a little bit. Uh, I have to be careful with this crowd because you'll try and jump into everything. Yeah, that's, that's all right. <laughs> Or die trying. (laughs) All right, Acts chapter 3. Acts 3, verses 25 through 26. Just a couple more stops. Uh, Acts 3, verse 25. Ye are the children of the prophets and of the covenant, which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, And in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed unto you first, God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. Now, what's the requirement in order for that to happen? You have to trust him. And they rejected him, but he went to them first. The Lord said, he went unto his own, and his own received him not. Now, that's nationally. That's as a nation. As individuals, anyone, and many did. Peter did. Paul did. uh, James, John. They were all Jews. All right? Now, so any individual 
Any individual Jew who would trust in Jesus Christ can be saved and made part of the church of God if they'll do that. All right, let's finish with Ephesians 2. And uh, this, this is a great summary of what we've been talking about. And Lord willing, one day we'll go through the book of Ephesians. Great book. Ephesians 2, verses 11 through 22. Verse 11 Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uh, uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision. Now, notice the detail. In time past, you were Gentiles according to the flesh. Look, look at the first verse of chapter, one, uh, chapter 2. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. You see that? This is who you used to be. This is what you used to be. You're no longer a Gentile after the flesh. But when you were, you were stumbling around in darkness, had no hope in this world until you came to Jesus Christ. So that, that this, if you pay attention to the wording there, it's very detailed. Who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. You, they had no hope whatsoever. God started with the Jews and then went to the Gentiles. That's why the Gentiles had this, this time of ignorance that God winked at. God, God was, he had a certain amount of patience with them that he didn't have for the Jews because the Jews had the word of God, but the Gentiles did not. All right, now, uh, but it continues, um, verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, all right, so we, we just talked about what they were in the flesh as Gentiles, right? Mm -hmm. And what the Jews were in the flesh as Jews. But now, two of the most incredible words in all the Bible, it comes up repeatedly. But now, in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one. You see that? Mm -hmm. One what? One body. One church. One bride. All made one by the blood of Christ, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh... The enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain, of twain, he took two people groups. Yeah. All right, so everybody wants peace in the world, right? Mm -hmm. Well, the only way to get to bring peace between two people groups who hate each other is to introduce them to Jesus Christ. Man. The Lord did that. The Lord can continue to do that, but somebody's got to take the gospel to them. Yeah. All right, so if you want two people who hate each other to, to love each other, Introduce them to Jesus Christ. That, that's the solution. That's the answer. So to make in himself, in himself, you see the wording. All right. So that he's taking two people in the flesh, saving them by the blood of his cross and bringing them into himself. That would be into his body. That one body that we've been talking about, that we've been uh, on Sunday evenings. And to make in himself of twain one New man, so making peace. Verse 16, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. You want to get rid of the enmity between black people and white people, between uh, Arabs and Jews? Introduce everybody to Jesus Christ. Get them to trust in Jesus, and, and suddenly you'll have peace. Verse 17, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them which are nigh. For through him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints, and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief corner stone." In whom all the building, fitly, fitly framed together, groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an, for an habitation of God through the Spirit. It was God's design for the Jew 
and the Gentile to come together into one body. And that we, we know that body is the church. The only way to get in that church is to trust in Jesus Christ. And that's available to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It's supposed to go into all the world and be preached to every single creature without fail. There's not a, you, don't get, you don't get to go preach it to white people or to black people or to Jews. It's for everybody. All right, now, you might end up, I mean, if we're in Africa, obviously, we're going to be preaching it to black people. That's just, in case you didn't know, that's who lives there. <laughs> but, but if I saw a white person there and I said, well, I'm not giving you the gospel. I only preach to black people. No, it's to everybody. If, if we can communicate, I need to give you the gospel. I need to do something to tell you about Jesus Christ and get you to the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I got to make some sort of effort. And so both Jews and Gentiles escape what they are in the flesh and become one in one body in Christ Jesus Man. for everybody, starting with the Jews and then also to the Gentiles. Praise the Lord. The gospel was to go into all the world. That was always God's plan. Those were his clear instructions, but it did begin with the Jews and eventually broadened to the Gentiles. I don't believe, and we talked about it, I don't believe this is a requirement, but it is clear that all men everywhere need the gospel of Christ, and we who are not ashamed, amen, we who are not ashamed of the gospel are responsible to take it into this present evil world and give it to those who need it. Praise the Lord. All right, let's pray together and we'll be finished. Father, we sure love you. Thank you for loving us. Lord, help us to be bold. Help us to be true to you. Lord, we do pray you'd be preeminent in our lives at every moment and help us to faithfully, faithfully preach the word of God and tell people about Jesus Christ and to be a witness both with good character and godly qualities everywhere we go. Lord, we pray for your help. Pray for guidance. Pray for wisdom. Pray for boldness. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can learn more about our ministry by visiting www.plenteousredemption.com. You can hear more Plenteous Redemption podcast audio at www.plenteousredemption.media. Please comment below if this podcast has been a help to you. Also, inform us of future topics that would interest you. Thank you again for listening to the Plenteous Redemption podcast.